Hello and welcome to World Travel Essential, produced by Allmont Global and brought to you in partnership with Forbes Travel Guide and Sharecare. I'm Richard Barnes. This week, we take you for a deep dive in Dubai and Mary Gostolo takes us to the Swiss Alps and Gestadt. But first, let's go straight to the Middle East. Well, from time to time on World Travel Essential, we talk about different types of activities in destinations, and there are some pretty amazing activities that have been developed over the last year or so. At the moment, one that really caught my eye was in Dubai, where they've developed what's called Deep Dive Dubai, and this has just opened up. On the line, I have Jared Jablonski, the director of Deep Dive Dubai. Jared, uh, thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Richard. Thanks for having me. So tell me, firstly, what is Deep Dive? Give me a, a kind of an overview of how this all works. You know, I hate, to, I hate to fumble the first question, but it's actually a bit difficult to describe. And for many years, we kept trying to figure out what to call it because it really feels like a disservice to call it a pool. Uh, sunken city is the thing I think I most commonly end up talking about it like. But uh, for your listeners, I would say that it's uh, one of the most unique or is the most unique and special pool in the world. It's themed like a complete sunken city to a depth of 60 meters. It's twice as big and 15 meters deeper than anything else in the world. And then it starts getting more and more interesting from there. Now, this is something which also um, is uh, you have a world record because it's the deepest pool I've seen that in, in the world. Is that correct? What are the key aims of this attraction? Now, why did you do it? What was the idea behind this? It, it's a little bit of a hybrid intent. So Dubai is a, has a pretty visionary process in trying to build infrastructure in order to see the development of various communities. And so they've done this in a number of different areas, a lot of interesting tourist activities, as well as for the local community, you know, building just hundreds of kilometers of bike lanes, for example, and seeing thriving communities develop. And here, you know, Dubai has reasonably decent diving that's not so far away, but right here in the city, you, you know, you can get to the coast really quick, but the diving's not very good unless you get out of ways. And so from a training, uh, development and tourist perspective, there's not a lot of great diving here. So we wanted to really service all of those groups. We wanted to create a really dynamic and fascinating place for people who haven't tried diving or who rarely dive, but wanted to do something interesting while still finding something that's truly compelling for the advanced divers and even technical divers, which is a bit of a tall order, I think. <laughs> how does it work? I mean, what, tell, tell me a little bit about how, how it works when people get there. So we have uh, experiences that we break up in three broad categories. We call them discover, dive, and develop. And so in the discovery category, we're catering here to people that have really uh, no experience. They, they can uh, come in with never having been in the water before. Uh, and they can experience either snorkeling where they're at the surface with a life vest. So some people are more, more comfortable in that kind of very safe environment. We also allow people to uh, discover free diving, which is a breath hold kind of experience. And then we allow people to explore on scuba. So first timers who have never been underwater on scuba diving, we can take a little bit of time, a half an hour or so and get them oriented. And then we take them on a tour down to a depth of the maximum 12 meters. Those are our discovery programs. Then we have dive programs for certified divers. And in that category, it really depends on the diver's previous training and experience. So the recency of their, their experience. And here we have divers that could go as deep as 60. The most common are going to 20 meters depth, 
and then we have a number of advanced divers, a pretty good chunk, maybe even a third of certified divers can get down to 30 meters. Uh, and the technical stuff that's deeper is a really a smaller subsection of those. Then finally, we have our developed category, and those are for people who are looking to do more training. And we have a world-class team of freediving champions and technical divers, so we do everything from beginning classes all the way through to advanced who are looking to compete. Okay, now 60 meters, I, I, I have done a bit of diving, and 60 meters is a, it's very deep. Um, I think the, the deepest I went was about 40, so that, that was already for me quite a lot. Um, at 60 meters, people start having things like nitrogen narcosis. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, just how hard is it to, to uh, get down to 60 meters? Well, I think, you know, getting there is maybe not as bad as being sure you come back safely and, and, and effectively and don't have any, any difficulty. So, you know, we really try to focus heavily as safety being the core of everything we're doing here. So we actually eliminate the issues you talk about by not allowing air to be used deeper than 30 meters. So we use nitrox up to 30 meters. And then as people go beyond 30 meters, uh, progressively thing, the thing that you mentioned, narcosis starts to come into play. So for some of your listeners not familiar, it's a bit like alcohol, let's say, and it comes on and phases the deeper you go, the more drunk you get, the more narc you get, uh, as we would say in diving. And it starts to become a real impediment to uh, efficient and effective operation. It can be quite dangerous. So we use a helium-based mixture, uh, starting, as I said, at 30 meters on down, more helium as you go deeper. And actually, when you're using helium, you don't notice any of narcotic effect at all. So we can we can have you diving as if you were 10 meters deep when you're at 60 from a narcotic perspective. Absolutely. That's, that's something that I was wondering about. So that's uh, that's interesting as well. How safe is it? I mean, obviously, you, you've taken all the precautions necessary. Just how safe is it to go diving in, in the, the deep dive? Uh, I would say it's very safe because we've taken a tremendous number of precautions, as you said. So everybody's going with a highly qualified guide that we've handpicked and trained for the experience. Uh, we have a number of safety configurations all throughout the facility. We're vetting people's certification, their recency of experience. We're sending them with a guide. Uh, we have cameras monitoring everything through the pool. So 56 underwater cameras keep an eye on everybody. We have underwater habitats at 20 and six meters. So if people have any uh, feeling a little anxious or just want to you know, pop their head over the water while they're still under, they can actually go in these habitats uh, and even communicate with the surface if, if they need to do so. And then we develop everything in a very progressive fashion so that we bring, bring people along from shallow water, evaluate their comfort level and bring them down in stages. So nobody would go to 60 who isn't qualified and trained. And even in that case, we're looking for recency of qualification. And then we're helping them to evaluate their competency to do that dive. We do have an advantage because the environment here is so, uh, is so reliable. It's a static environment. So it's perfect weather 365 days a year, which is a big risk in deeper diving in many situations because you don't really know. So here we have very predictable kinds of conditions, 30 degree temperature, so we don't have cold water, and we have lights positioned throughout the facility as well. So there's a, a lot less of a difficulty of keeping yourself oriented. So I would rank it on the very high safe category. We spent a lot of time really thinking that one through. Who, where, where are most of the people coming from? Are they locals? Are you getting some foreign tourists coming in? Where, where are the people coming from? 
we're getting we're getting the spectrum really and quite a lot more tourists than i expected right now it's summer here in dubai and so what we see during the summer is that people from here travel away and not as many tourists come here weather is normally nicer for people in the colder climate so they tend to stay away that's the season here is going to start picking up uh, in september and that's uh, when the city starts to get really busy uh, really, I think right now it's almost empty from my perspective and, and it's going to get quite busy very soon. But nonetheless, we've been really busy. We're really operating at, at capacity and hiring more people to try to get ready for the season. Mostly, I would say there are people living here, which is a big mixture. I and mean, we have about a 90 percent uh, non-local residents, if that uh, that translates well. So people who have moved here, living here from all over the world, a lot of Europeans, of course, and Americans and uh, Africans and South Africans and, you know, really uh, Indian all over the world. It's a true melting pot here. So we're seeing that spectrum. Most of the people we see now are living here. Uh, regardless of their nationality, I would say that we're seeing probably about 80%, 90% even, around 80, 85% of the people are living here. About 15 or so percent tourists, but growing steadily. Uh, funny, I've seen a lot of Americans that I didn't expect, especially in the summer, given how far away it is. I think Will Smith might have helped that out a little bit as well. Now, uh, to the, the question, the other question is, uh, what kind of, uh, how, how, how much does it cost to, to do this? Um, perhaps in dollar terms, I don't know if you can tell me in dollars, because people in, in uh, local currency might not um, uh, yeah, figure it out. So for quickly. sure, yeah. absolutely. So the entry experience at snorkeling is our, our least expensive experience. That's 400 Durham, which is just a bit over $100 US. Uh, and then uh, we go up progressively. Our uh, more expensive experience and our most resource intensive is the Discover Scuba that I mentioned because that's really a one-to-one -one uh, ratio where one of our instructors has training to do plus guiding someone. And that's uh, priced at uh, 1800 Durham, which is uh, just over $400. Okay. Now, can, can someone go to your facility and come up with a PADI qualification, for example? Uh, absolutely. We run a full spectrum of training. We start out at the beginner level classes for open water or scuba divers uh, who are just learning to dive. And then we run through advanced classes, nitrox classes. We have a range of specialties. And then we also go into the technical training for those interested in going in the 40, 45, 50 or 60 meter depth ranges. Great. Well, uh, Jared, uh, I think it's no doubt going to be a, a big hit with people coming to uh, Dubai from all around the world looking for different things and exciting things to do. So um, I'm sure it's going to, to work very well in the future. Thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, it was a true pleasure, Richard, and we hope to see you here soon and uh, maybe many of your listeners as well. Well, now time for our weekly report from luxury travel guru, Mary Gostelow, who's taking us to the Swiss Alps. Hello, this is Mary Gostelow, and this week I'm talking about Gestad Palace, high up in Switzerland, owned by the Schertz family, and a very popular palatial hotel surrounded by nature. History lesson first. In 1913, a schoolteacher thought that if there were so many palace hotels around Swiss lakes, why not build one here at over a 1,000 metres above sea level up in the mountains? He was funded by a China manufacturer and, sure enough, the hotel opened in those days with 
over 130 rooms. Anyway, along the way, the Schertz family came into it. They were not hoteliers, but they bought the hotel in 1937. And during World War II, a lot of Switzerland's sovereign wealth in the form of blocks of gold was actually hidden in bunkers underneath the hotel. No, it's not there now. The hotel has been run by the original owner's grandson, Andre Schertz, for the last few years, and he's very hands-on. He is always doing new things. There are now 100 rooms, and during winter, it's a centre for, for winter sports. There's an indoor and there's an outdoor swimming pool, and during winter... Uh, platform over the roof above the indoor pool is lowered every evening and it becomes a dance floor forming a nightclub called Green Go. And then in summer, people can get excitement by the hotel's Varlig Hut. And this is an original 1786 Alpine authenticity, a wood cabin surrounded by pasture. It's about 20 minutes up from the hotel itself. The hut does have electricity and plumbing and connectivity and masses of rugs for warmth. I went up there for an evening picnic of cold cuts and bowls formed of baked pastry filled with hot vegetable soup and a Ticino red wine. Others stay over. Apparently, one London-based hedge fund flies in regularly by private jet to nearby Sarnen airstrip and he comes straight here without even visiting the main hotel. Personally, I wouldn't miss staying in the hotel itself. I really like room 609, where the bathroom takes up most of one of the eight-floor building's corner turrets. There was just space for a television at the foot of the Parjet bathtub but I preferred looking out and down at the alpine scenes. Bathing was indeed somewhat exotic, thanks to red lights in the ceiling above that apparently had somewhat aroused a visiting Hollywood actor who had best remain anonymous. It's actually difficult to sustain invisibility here. Gestad is something of a close-knit village, complete with such global brands amongst its stores as De Grissoni for your jewellery and Ralph Lauren for fashion. And being driven back down to the station, all of seven minutes from the hotel, in a bright yellow 1952 vintage silver wraith Rolls Royce was anything but anonymous. Staying at Gestad Palace is very special. Thanks, Mary. That just about wraps up this edition of World Travel Essential, produced by Allmont Global and brought to you in association with Forbes Travel Guide and ShareCare. This is Richard Barnes saying thanks for joining me. Looking forward to catching you again same time next week. 